Blog Hello again. Radio. Hello everyone again. Here I am again, Hari Kolsa. Uh, I'm here to do my audio. I'm trying to do it every day. It's probably not going to happen every day, but my audio blog about my journey with my mother through hospice, assisted living. You know, this journey I mentioned before, this journey started a year ago when my mother had a stroke, and it changed her personality completely. And uh, I had to start, at first I had her in her home with 24-hour care, 24-7, we say. And that's the lingo. That's the one thing you have to get used to in this world. There's a lingo, and that lingo is 24-7, which means you have someone with her around the clock. She was in her own apartment, but it was costly. It's not cheap to have uh, care, and Medicare doesn't pay for anything. And if you have uh, Medicaid, or in Massachusetts they call it MassHealth, they don't pay for it either. It's very rare. And so it's all out of pocket. So So my mother, actually it was my mother who didn't want to be there. She didn't really like the 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 aids some of the aids it was really a stretch i mean she would just freak out as she and we never knew why she didn't like someone because she couldn't speak very well but yet she would get so enraged and so angry and it, it was really a scene and she would curse which she never did before and so it, it it was it was hard but that's something that occurs in in these kind of situations and something that you're never ready for and your emotions go up and down. The roller coaster begins, and it's it's difficult. It's a it's a real stretch on you. So anyway, she moved into us. Then I had to move her to assisted living. I mean, she lived in this retirement community that had these so-called three tiers of uh, life, from independent to assisted living, and then they had what they call the health center, which is the nursing home, and it's not your traditional skilled nursing nursing service, um, facility because they don't, because you've already paid into living there, they don't take Medicare payments or they, well, not that Medicare would pay for very long anyway. But so my mother is now in assisted living and you know, again, yesterday I mentioned assisted living, and when you're looking for any of these places, it's so hard to know what you're looking for. You, know, you can ask the questions of your friends, and I think that's a good thing. You should talk to people who have been through this and really, really talk, really find out what it all means because it is so confusing. And, you know, again, I mentioned yesterday, and I'm going to say it again. You think assisted living means you're going to get some assistance. Well, it's it's minimal. Some facilities have tiers that you can add, you know, you pay more for, but you get more services. The one my mother's at doesn't have that, and so she uh, is is in assisted living. And actually, I found out today, which was another, I mean, I never know from day to day, and this is the thing when you have a parent who, whether, you know, if they have a chronic illness and they're living in a facility, um, whether it's assisted living or a nursing home, you have to be ready for the calls. And sometimes, some places don't call very much, but others there, like mandate is part of their protocols. Like if, you know, falls is a big, you know, when a person falls, it's a big one. You know, it's like it's like the the issue, the big issue, falling down. Well, elderly people fall down. I mean, my mother 
lost a lot of her balance, she falls down. A lot of what she does is slip out of her chair. But the minute you hit the ground, it's a fall. That's how it's categorized. And where I, where my mother is, the lady, the director of nursing likes to send incident reports to the state, which isn't mandated that they do that. But she likes to be like right up front, like I'm telling you everything. And uh, much to my dismay that, you know, that actually, I think she realized, oh, I'm sending all these reports. It's going to start to make me look bad. So that's where I found myself last Friday, which I mentioned to you that there was this, 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 what's the word I want to use? This hangama moment where uh, I was put on the spot because my mother was in assisted living and because in assisted living, they're not, they don't really supposedly provide the same kind of services they would in the health center. Well, that's actually not really true. They, you know, my mother would fall anywhere. You could turn your back and she could slip off the chair or she could fall. She has had some falls, but people do fall. The elderly do fall. You know, and unfortunately, sometimes they hurt themselves, but it's the big deal. It's the big deal in these places, the fall. Well, and I hear this whole thing, well, what if your mother fell and hit her head and well, you know, I've been through that. You know, part of the deal is is that there has to be some responsibility on the assisted living side. And that's something you have to ask for. You know, and they're going to say, well, that's not an assisted living. We don't do that. Well, the ombudsman who came to help me, to help out with, you know, to, to sort of mediate the issue because uh, with my mother and the facility because the director of the nursing wanted to move her to the health care, to the health center, and I, you know, my mother's in hospice dying. It would be very tragic to move her. It would probably, you know, cause more problem. And so one of the things, you know, the whole reason she, the facility was saying, well, we care. We have to care. Well, to me, that, that translates I care, but I care equals the potential for liability. That's the world we live in. I get it. But the ombudsman said, what would be done differently downstairs? And that was the jewel. That was the moment. And that's the kind of question you can ask. What would, especially in these three-tier places, what would be different? Is And, and is there more staff? Usually, maybe not. Uh, is there, well, one of the, one of the issues, well, one, one of the responses from the facility was, well, we can put alarms on the bed and alarm here and alarm there. And the ombudsman said, well, can you put an alarm upstairs? Let's get a waiver. And we got that waiver. And, you know, we did some things. But the reality is in any of these places, your loved one won't, unless you insist, unless you get some kind of support from an ombudsman, uh, you have to, they don't check on people very often. And that's something you need to ask. How often do you actually check? How often does a CNA, certified nursing assistant, or a nurse, actually go into the room and check on someone. And and it'll be interesting when you ask that question because sometimes they may say one thing, but do they actually do that? And a lot of times it's no. It's the nature of the beast in these places. But my point here is that you just can't you can't believe what you're told. Your eyes tell you the truth. You know, and sometimes when you're there, they still should check on the person. But what you'll find is, you know, they don't check. Maybe they're there for an hour or so and nobody comes in. And um, 
and especially at night. You know, they're always down staff at night and weekends. You know, I don't get that they think that people still aren't sick or chronically ill or disabled on weekends. Why do weekends man? Why in all these facilities are is the staff less? It makes no sense. It's just I, I don't know. I don't know what the logic is. It's a it's a financial thing. I don't know. But on my mother's floor, sometimes there's only one person as opposed to two or three. It's still not a lot on um, on during the week. So it just you know the, nothing changes. The issues are the same. But that's something you always have to look at. Today, the drama today, which was another wonderful drama, was I found out that the facility had not given my mother uh, the pain medicine. Now, you have to remember my mother's on hospice. She had a, a, a about now, I think it's about six weeks to, two, uh, to eight weeks ago, she had a very noticeable change uh, decline. And that decline included a lot more confusion, uh, like she didn't know how to use her toothbrush anymore, which was really a shock. And she was telling people in the last two weeks that she, well, yeah, two weeks that she wanted to die. So the other thing that's come about is that she has these extreme headaches. She never had headaches, and she's got these extreme headaches. So hospice has been working. The hospice, when I say hospice, I mean the doctors and the team has been have been working with uh, the staff and the medications to see what pain med might relieve some of the pain. Well, we started her on this drug. Uh, first, she was on Tylenol. That didn't touch it. Then we moved to Tramadol, and that didn't touch it. And and we wanted to move to Lortab, which is a uh, uh, a narcotic, a low low dosing. Well, the hospice nurse actually went to get it. That was on Monday. And the hospice and the doctor agreed, thought that was a good idea, the hospice doctor. See, the thing, oh, just as an aside, hospice, when you have a hospice doctor, when you have hospice, hospice takes over the care. You know, your primary care doctor is not really involved anymore. So the hospice doctor ordered these meds on Monday. The, the hospice nurse went and picked them up at the pharmacy because sometimes that's a turnaround you don't want to wait for. And then uh, she brought them there, but... Somebody, and I don't know, I assume it was uh, the direct, possibly the director of nursing or somebody decided that the there hadn't been the right signature on the order, so they didn't give it. But they didn't tell anyone. They said, well, we faxed the doctor to get a better signature. Faxed the doctor. Why couldn't you just pick up the phone and get a verbal order and then have it faxed back? And so my mother, for because they had stopped the, tram the tramadol, so for 24 hours, my mother had no pain med, and she would. This morning, I got a call from her caregiver that she was crying. She was in so much pain. I know there's something going on in in my mother's head. I mean, something physiological, whether she's got a tumor or she's got a brain bleed. But I'm not doing any more and any radiological testing. My mother's dying. It's clear. I want her to have a graceful death. I don't want to subject her to having to get in the car, to go to the hospital, to sit in there, to to get something that I already know is happening. It's not going to change the course of anything. There's no surgery to be had. There's nothing's going to change it. So that's my choice. And it really was my mother's choice. I'm just doing, if I thought she wanted everything to the very last minute, I would do that. But that my mother was very independent, very clear on what she wanted and didn't want. 
And so so I had to, you know, not freak out and try to track down what had happened. And luckily, if you have a good hospice, you can call them and say, look, what's going on? Can you help me? And it's really their job to do that. And so they did track that down. The other thing that happened today is that she had like this standing order for blood work from when she was still seeing her primary care. And they came and drew blood today. And that, that I mean, on, on any other day it would have been okay. But once you're on hospice, it doesn't, Medicare no longer pays for blood tests. And so, uh, at least for this kind of blood test, which was for iron. And so I had to, we had to stop that. But again, the facility, I may, you know, you'd think that when you're dealing with elders, they would have an understanding of hospice, but there seems to be this absolute disconnect. And that's where, as a caregiver, you have to be intimately involved in the care. And, you know, you can't be like micromanaging, but you have to be aware that your your feelings for your loved ones are are paramount and you want the best care the facility is doing their job yeah they 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 probably want the best care but they're not going to maybe probably go the the mile that you would to make sure that your loved one is taken care of properly and i i was just heartbroken when i heard my mother hadn't gotten any pain medicine so I I really am uh you know I'm I'm really real I'm realizing let's put it that way that I have to continue to be on top of everything. I have you know th- my point for today is there's never a dull moment. Sometimes I think okay, I got through the night without a call and I'm hoping that you know cuz now they call hospice instead of me first unless it's really, unless, of course, she dies, they're going to call me first. So the the pain and the suffering, I, I just don't want my mother to have that. And so I was very disappointed. But, you know, you have to pick your battles. And I had a big one with the ombudsman and keeping my mother where she was. And so you really, that's the other thing. Once again, you have to pick your battles. Pick your battles with the facility. What is most important to you? to get what you need for your loved one. I mean, you don't want anything bad to happen, but you want to make sure that your loved one is safe as best you can. And it's constant. It's a constant, constant looking and assessing and trying to, you know, keep things in balance. And that's really what I have to say today. Keep those things in balance as best you can.